you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. What's up, Movement Church? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's good to have all of you with us today. Uh, man, can you do me a favor? Would you give it up for our worship team? They're doing an amazing job. But also, just so grateful to have our friends, Pastor Michelle and Dan, with us. Come on, give it up for these guys. He was the dude on the bass and his wife leading worship. They're, they've been friends for, I think, 115 years at this point, at least. And uh, they're uh, doing some amazing things up in Los Angeles. We've known them for, I think, probably about almost 10 years now. And uh, they're just leaning in with our worship team, and they're going to be here tomorrow night during movement night. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it, but we're just grateful for you, and just so proud of our worship. What an amazing time of worship tonight, and uh, I'm just reminded of how essential it is for worship. This, the songs that we're singing are so much more than just lyrics. It's a moment where we refocus our, our faith and our heart on what God wants to do, and not just the junk that we're facing. Can I get an Amen. Well, I want to I dive into this message. We're in part two of the series called Walking with Wisdom, and uh, I'm really excited about it because we're unpacking the book of Proverbs, and I just think that God wants to do something unique in our lives through this. So I want to challenge you to lean in, and we're, my, my wife and I and our team, we're reading through the Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs, and most months have at least 30 days uh, in them, and, uh, and so we just read a proverb a day, and we've been doing that. I mean, since I was probably about uh, 10 or 11, uh, Megan at that point was 32, so it was a good time. <laughs> never gets old, never gets old. Even if none of you laughed, it's still funny to me. But uh, what this series does is it, it offers this PhD in wisdom to learn the ways of God. So it's not just about insight, instruction, and, and knowledge. It's wisdom to learn the ways of God. And and then it, it does so by painting word pictures. There's multiple authors in the book of Proverbs, but what it does is it enlightens us with wisdom to guide our steps, live our lives, and listen, this is important, to launch us into destiny. And uh, our, our theme scripture that we've kind of pulled this whole series is found in Proverbs 7. We're selling these books. We don't make a dime off of it. We're just selling these. They're pretty cool little books. It's, it is the actual book of Proverbs, but just looks really cool. It's, I guess you could put it on a coffee table or, or whatever, but it, it's a display. It, uh, but that's the sales pitch. So we don't make any money off of it. And if you can't afford it, just take it and run. Just run out the door. And we tell them I told you to. It's no big deal. But uh, uh, let me just read this our, this, our theme scripture. My wife is like cringing up here. Let me, let me read our theme scripture. It's found in Proverbs chapter 7. Uh, and this is what it says. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments within you. Most of the Proverbs start off with my son. And so it's, it's the, the idea of instruction is leaning in. And it's the idea that to be attentive and, and hear. Keep my, treasure up my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on, the fing on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart, say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. So, so the book, the author is telling us that we desperately want 
wisdom and insight and understanding for how to live life. But it also provides this beautiful picture that God is providing wisdom and insight to us. And I just want to challenge you as we go through this series to lean in. What's interesting about the book of Proverbs is it uses characters and contrasting statements. There's different characters that it paints word pictures with. And then there's contrasting statements that that really kind of force us decide to decide where we fall into the spectrum. Like you can give with this or you can give with that. You can give with this or you can get with that. You can give with this or you can get with that. None of y'all know the song. None of y'all know the song. It's okay, black sheep. It's not just check it out on your way home. You should get with this because this is where it's at. So anyways, the characters that it depicts, is one of them is Lady Wisdom. And it, it's the idea uh, that, that wisdom should be desired and, and really to be attained. And then there's the Lady Temptress, which is this, this idea of the, 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 the desires of our flesh that, that become kind of, uh, they, they, they show up on the forefront. And there, there's the times where we want to pursue our own desires, but those are things we should run from. And, and then the book of Proverbs is talking to, to a, a son or a child, but it's not that you can read the stories of Proverbs and think, oh, that's really neat. I, I would like for somebody else to read that. No, the author is writing to you. Yeah. And, and the contrasting statements here are usually through the lens of what the, the author will call the fool. And the fool's broken into four different categories. And, and, and contrary to your wild belief, you probably fit into one of these four categories. One of the, the, the titles of the fool would be the simple-minded, the, the one who's easily led astray by prevailing winds. The others would be the scoffer, but that's the deliberate troublemaker. Then there's the, the sluggard, the, the lazy, excuse-finding procrastinator. And then there's just the plain old fool, and that's the individual who has this chosen outlook and an assurance of my own opinion. So I don't know where you might tend to fall in one of those four categories, but I would encourage us today as we're leaning into this series to, to go, okay, God, align my heart with yours. I, I want to attain wisdom. I, I don't, I don't want to walk in, in assurance of my own opinion. I want your wisdom and, and your knowledge for my life. And so what this, this is doing, it, wisdom is offering up an invitation. And the invitation is, is this, and tonight this would be kind of the, the topic of the sermon. And, and the invitation is, is if I want to walk with wisdom, then I need to be teachable. I need to be teachable. And I just want to take a moment and un unpack this, maybe to be specific, about 27 minutes, if I may. And uh, I'm just going to explore three verses. And, and the hope would be that we begin to walk in wisdom by simply being teachable. Is that cool? Let me pray for us. Before you bow your heads. Y'all on cue, like, thump. I'm pretty sure four of you fell asleep. That was perfect. And uh, uh, lean in for the next 20 minutes or so. We didn't come here to go home or to get to our dinner plans or dessert plans or whatever it is that you've got planned. We, we came here because the spirit of the living God is here. And, and he wants to do a profound work in your life. So let's let him. Can we do that? Is that cool? 
Now let me pray. You may bow your heads. God, I just thank you that you are in this place moving. I thank you for those that are watching and tuning in online right now. and Maybe, maybe on a handheld device or streaming through a smart television somewhere. And, and maybe you just happened to tune into the channel right now. Or maybe you, you weren't planning on coming to church tonight, but you're here. And, and the living God is in this place and wants to do something profound in your life. So I just pray that we would all be open to the fullness of what he wants to say and what he wants to do. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Well, let me just dive in. The, the scriptures that we're, we're pulling from right now are uh, Proverbs 15. And, and I'm going to pull three verses from this Proverbs, and that's Proverbs 15, verses 31 through 33, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I think it'll be on the screen, so we're going to unpack this and just see where it takes us. And if you laugh loud and amen loud, then I'll preach really fast. So check this out. Proverbs 15, verse 31, it says, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. We, we want to walk with wisdom. We, we don't want to walk as the fool. And to walk with wisdom, we need to be teachable. And in order to be teachable, look at me, we've got to crave understanding. To crave it. And I wrote that word on purpose. Like, 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 I crave the octopus tacos from Lupe's. You need to, listen, it's right down the street. If you don't have dinner plans, swing through today. Crispy onions, some chipotle sauce on there, grilled octopus. If you've never had grilled octopus, you probably don't love Jesus, so change that. It is that good. And, and we need to crave understanding. I, I love how this scripture says, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof. The, the ear is a canal that is designed for one function, and that is hearing. But what the author is doing right now is he's articulating the difference between hearing and listening. He's, he's saying there's a difference between hearing and listening. You see, we train our ears to hear, but we train our minds to ignore. Right? Husbands, has your wife ever said, can you take out the trash? And what you heard was sometime before Jesus comes back, if you think about it. And it's convenient. And there's no game on the television where you take the trash out. And she meant, if you don't get up right now and take it out, I will punch you in your throat. Or you, you hear a baby crying, and if it's your child you know the cry where you're like, I've got to sprint into the room because they are, something horrible happened. And you also know the cry where you're like, nah, they're fine. <laughs> and the people are like, is everything okay? Like, no, no, it's just drama. Because we, we train our ears to hear and our minds to ignore. And hearing implies functionality, but listening implies understanding. So let's just talk about the, the contrast here between hearing and understanding, some contrasting thoughts between hearing and understanding. One, one idea is, is the notion that I'm activating my heart before I'm activating my mouth. Can I say that again? 
That, that I'm activating my heart before I activate my mouth. That I'm asking genuine questions to learn more and gain clarity. And that's important. Because, listen, wife, if you went and asked your husband to take the trash out, he didn't take the trash out, you can come in and go, do you not love our family? Do you want our house to smell? You're asking questions, but you already know the answer, and it's a trap. Can I get an amen? So genuine questions insinuates that I want to learn and gain clarity. I want, I want to understand what it is that you're trying to say. It's replacing response with my full attention. It's placing a higher value on contemplating rather than my opinion. You cannot listen and be heard at the same time. You cannot listen and be heard at the same time. It's here's the simplistic version of this. It's listening through the lens of grace that we hope God listens to us with. Like, like we pray that God looks at us through the lens of grace, and yet so often we don't afford the same grace to those that are around us. That's what it means to be understanding. And if you crave understanding, here's, here's the question. What would shift in your current relationships? Maybe there's tension in a friendship or with your spouse or at work. And I just wonder what would shift if you craved understanding, if you made your goal to listen and not to be heard. The author tells us what to listen for. He says, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. So what he does say is that we don't just have to listen to everything every person says at all times and make that our highest goal. What he does say is we're listening for life-giving reproof, which means that there should be a godly filter. Yeah. There should be a godly filter through which we listen. We're going to get to the word reproof in a minute. It's a really exciting one. Thanks, Megan. <laughs> Early in the years of ministry, I've been in ministry now for, goodness, since I was 18, so like six years. It's been awesome. And uh, still funny. Like, like uh, 22 years, and, and my first gig as a pastor, if you will, I was a young punk kid, and I was 20. And I thought I knew everything. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I was late to every meeting. I was late to everything that we did. And our executive pastor finally pulled me in. And she got on to me so, it was so, she was went, just read the riot act. It was so bad. I'm sinking into my chair. And she's telling me, hey, when you're late, it shows everyone at the meeting that you don't care about their time. It's disrespectful. It shows that you don't place high value on your own job. And, and you're shaking your head like, that is so true. And she followed those statements with this. She looked me dead in the eye. She goes, Carrie, I don't think you're going to make it in ministry. Yeah. That one sucked. You know what I'm talking about? It was not fun. And there was truth to what she was sharing, but not the whole truth. I could have easily dismissed all that she said due to one statement. And I think a lot of times we do that. Yeah, yeah. Dismiss all of it. But the truth is I needed to understand what she was saying so that I could grow and mature, but I did not need to embrace her prediction. So the word says the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will walk with the wise. So if I'm going to be teachable, I must crave what points to future 
and not to failure. So let me define some life-giving reproof for a moment. Life-giving means that it builds you up and it speaks to your potential. Life-giving, it does not focus on your past, but it reminds you of your future. Hey, listen, life-giving always unifies the body of Christ and always builds his church. Hear me when I say that. It always unifies. It never separates. It never divides. Listen, life-giving always aligns with God's plan for human flourishing and not your own. And that's the challenge that we face is that we have our own plan for how we think we should flourish, but God has his plan. And life-giving reproof always aligns with God's plan. But can I just tell you this? It does not mean that it will always leave you feeling good and warm and cozy. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. There's nothing about reproof that is sexy and feel good. The, the word reproof literally means correction, constructive criticism, the rebukes of life. So the, the author is telling us that if we want to walk with wisdom, that we actually need correction in our life. We need constructive criticism. It means that we need to learn from the challenges that life throws us. But we don't like that in this era of humanity. In the era of humanity where everyone got a trophy at soccer and t-ball. That's baloney. That is foolishness. Can you just tell me a time where everyone wins all the time? It doesn't happen. Ever. Are you tracking with me? In this era of humanity where I cancel those that I don't agree with. Cancel culture. Means I, I know I'm going to keep all of the constructive criticism away. I'm going to keep all. I want only people around me that will speak to my truth. That was a good dance move right there. Felt that for a second. In the era of humanity where I just need to discover myself. You know what that means? It means that I'm going to find my path for my flourishing. And I'm going to keep everything else out. And I would just challenge you to beware your own confirmation biases. Beware the, the perimeters that you put up around what reproof you listen to. You listen, we, we listen to podcasts and news outlets which only align with our biases. We, we build social constructs of friends that only think the way that we think. What we're actually doing is unintentionally controlling our own environment because we're just going to keep out everything that conflicts with what my truth is. This isn't even my message. Let's get back into it. You know what else we do? We, we, we pick and choose what scripture we'll be obedient to. We, we pick and choose what scriptures and what values we think are for today and what are archaic and old school. And the scripture is saying the ear that listens to life-giving correction, like actual correction, constructive criticism, will walk with the wise. So I just think about when I sat down with the executive pastor and, 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 and the things that she was trying to instruct me with and the one statement that if I had allowed it to become a label that, that became my identity, it would have been damning to my calling and purpose. But I needed some of the truth that she had for me. 
And I just think one of the things that we could all do well to remember is that we can learn from anyone and anything. We can learn from anyone and anything. So here's my question. And this is not like a rhetorical question that I just want you to look at me and shake your head with. I actually want you to answer this on, on your own. Who, who have you given permission to bring reproof in your life? Like, like who actually can bring correction in your life? Who, who can bring some constructive criticism? Who can come in and say, hey, stop being a knucklehead right now? I, I just found that, that most, most people don't do that. They just, they just don't have that in their life. And, and maybe if you're married, does your spouse have their cell phone number so that when you're being a knucklehead and you're trying to ignore it, they can call that person? I mean, who, who are you submitted to in an area where, where somebody can say, hey, wake up. That's not acceptable behavior. I think we, we feel like we get to a place where we graduate out of that. And that's a dangerous place to be. So if I'm going to be teachable, I must crave correction. The Bible talks about what happens when we strive to understand. It says the ear that listens to life-giving or reproof will dwell among the wise. And you want that for your life. I want that for my life. But then the author comes in with this contrasting view. There's always this contrast between what we, we get to choose how we're going to live life and approach God and approach wisdom. And he, he comes in and he says this in verse 32, whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The word whoever here, it, it, what it literally means is whoever. It means anyone has the propensity to ignore instruction. We don't outgrow this. We don't get to a position of, men, of life and experience where, where we, 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 we get past this. No, anyone has the ability to ignore instruction. But it also means that all of us are capable of understanding. Here's what it means to ignore. It means that I see, yet I choose not to yield. The first car accident I was ever in, I wasn't driving. And it was with my best friend, Chris, who had a 1984 convertible red Ford Mustang that smelled like picante sauce. It was awesome. <laughs> he is 16. He just got his license. So we were going to the mall, top down. It was probably freezing cold, but it didn't matter. Top down. And we were jamming some good Christian rock, like audio adrenaline or something like that, which none of y'all even know what I'm talking about. And we are just having the best time, and we're cruising, and we get to the light. We're in the left-hand turning lane, and we're going to do a U-turn to go back into the parking lot. And so Chris decides to just whip this thing, pa -da 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 -da, right, and guns it, and he's doing a U-turn, and there was a vehicle coming over the hill at about 148 miles an hour, which he saw, yet he chose not to yield to, and guess what happened? They collided with us. I can still remember what her face looked like, and this is back in 1996. All because he saw a vehicle, but he chose not to yield. And to ignore life-giving reproof, instruction, and insight means you see it, yet you choose not to yield. This is not like you have no clue what's happening. This is like you're making a conscious decision. To ignore means that I hear, yet I choose not to listen. I know, yet I choose not to understand. I love how the message paraphrase says it. Like this, it says, an undisciplined, self-willed life is puny, but an obedient, God-willed life is spacious. Yeah, wow. 
spacious. So which is worse? To have never received discipline or to have received it and rejected it? Now remember, the author is talking to all of us, not, not the person that you're thinking this sermon is for. Valerian said this, one who rejects instruction is the foe of his own soul. The, the idea here is not that you prove a point to the person who's trying to bring correction. The idea here is that you despise yourself when you choose not to listen. Wow. It doesn't hurt them, it hurts you. And I know that sometimes people bring reproof or instruction in a way that's hurtful and it's painful but we've got to choose to chew the meat, spit out the bones. That's why it says life-giving reproof. Are you tracking with me? One time, Megan made this amazing salmon dinner. It was like perfectly cooked. She's an amazing cook. In our first seven years, not an amazing cook. Now, an amazing cook. She had like one meal per year for the first seven years, so we got a full week. It was good. It just took a long time to get there. She made this amazing salmon meal, baked it. It was perfect, like baked to perfection. She had some asparagus. It was just this awesome meal. And I'm sitting down, I'm taking a bite like everybody. Oh, babe, this is amazing. And finally, I get a bite. There was a bone in the salmon. So I took it and I threw it in her face. No. I just took the bone out of my mouth and I kept eating. So I know that sometimes people in your world might bring reproof in a way that hurts. But you can learn from anyone and anything. And we want to crave correction. We, we want to be teachable. We want to walk with wisdom. So where are you seeing yet choosing not to yield? Where are you hearing yet choosing not to listen? Where do you know yet you don't understand? The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. And then the author turns the page, so to speak. And he says, here's how. Here's the essential component. He says, the fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom. The, the fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom. The fear of of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. To, to fear the Lord fosters teachability, as my keyboard friend is making his way to the stage. The, the fear of the Lord fosters teachability. And when I was growing up, this was a paradox of terms for me. It was. Because we read scriptures and sing songs about how we're friends of God. He's a loving father. It's who he is. It's who he is. He's a good, good father. We read scriptures about how, man, if your child asks for bread, would you give him a serpent? Well, no. And if you, being mortal or evil, would treat your children with love and grace, wouldn't a loving father go even beyond that for you? So we read the scriptures about how he's a friend of God and, and he's a good father and his, his grace is sufficient and his mercy is new every morning. And then we hear, to fear the Lord. And it seems like a paradox. It seems conflicting. But it's not some evil, anxiety-filled fear. To, to fear the Lord means this 
And, and simply this, that God and God alone gets my worship and my obedience. That's what it means to fear the Lord, is that I only worship him and I only obey him and no one else. And this is challenging because we're really good at obeying our own desires and our own plan for our own flourishing. What we're actually doing is we're not walking in the fear of the Lord. And the, the writer is saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's how I, I'm actually walking in wisdom. And when, when we talk about worship, we're talking about a worship that moves beyond song sung to, to a life lived. The, the greatest form of worship is not can you sing on key during a worship journey for 12 and a half minutes on a Saturday evening. The greatest form of worship is the way that you live your life. The way that you live your life is a form and an expression of worship. So if I say that I'm a follower of Jesus, and then when I interact with business associates, and there's nothing in my life that reflects following Jesus, then I'm not worshiping him. I'm worshiping something else. So if I want to be teachable, and I want to walk with wisdom. I must fear the Lord, which means I worship him and only him. So how do we know what we're worshiping? Where you invest your time, your finances, and your abilities determines what you worship. If you're not taking notes, write that down. I want to talk in a moment about money just to prepare you so you can squeam a little bit. And we'll move on. But where you invest your time, your finances, and your abilities determines what you worship. Not, not your intentions. And not merely your words. But where you invest your time, your finances, and your abilities. A second century theologian named Tertullian said, from the very nature of their conduct, may be estimated the quality of their faith. The way that you live determines the quality of your faith. Proverbs 9 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and your years will be added to your life. So where do you spend your time? Your time. This is the, the, where I spend my physical or mental time. You ever had something weigh so heavy on you, you're thinking about it when you wake up in the morning, you're thinking about it when you go to bed at night, you're worrying about it nonstop? Where, where do you spend and invest your time? What, what, what is your time currently worshiping? Is it your investments? I, I, I just recently invested in cryptocurrency. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, you're blessed and highly favored. If you've invested, then it must be down the tube. I was looking at the app every 30 seconds. Both apps, checking both stocks to see. Why? Because I just invested some finances there. Where, where is your time being invested? Is it into your, your, your personal investments? Is it your career? Is it, is it your, your education? Is it your hobbies? 
your kids, your marriage? Is it leisure? Here's a question to ask yourself. Does God get the first and the best part of your day? Does he get the first and the best? What gets the best part of your day? Like for me, the best part of my day are the first two hours that I wake up. They are the, it's the best part of my day. What, what gets the best part of your day? What gets the most of your time? What's the scroll? What's the feed on your phone? When you look up at your battery and you can see where you've spent your time on your phone, what, what is it? Where, where are you investing your time? What gets the best in the first part of your day? Hey, here's a question to ask. Does God get the contents of your stress, stressful situation before fear does? Wow. So you, you hit a crisis you hit calamity, you hit a problem, does, does fear and worry get the first response or does God get the first response? We're preconditioned to follow where we're investing our time. I'm just, what are you worshiping? What, what are your finances worshiping? Finances, this, this is the, the financial means I've been trusted to steward. Like, I, you're awesome, right? But God made you awesome. So the job that you have, God gave you the ability to make the funds that you bring in. And if you don't think that, that's a whole different sermon. We'll preach that another time. And so then God, he, he gives us the, the ability to make finances, to, to make money. And then he trusts us to steward the finances that come into our life. Are y'all tracking with me? So we, we don't teach about tithing here. Because it's self-serving for the church. We teach about tithing because it's self-serving for you. I don't teach my young children to be obedient because I'm trying to avoid a temper tantrum in the mall. I teach them to be obedient because I want them to flourish in life. So we talk about tithing on a regular basis because God has a principle when it comes to everything in our life, especially our finances. And he doesn't say, I want all of it. He said, just bring 10%. He didn't say some 10%. He says the first 10%. And he goes on and he says, if you'll trust me with 10%, then what that tells me is you have more faith in me than you do in your own knowledge and understanding. And then what I'll do, according to Malachi 3.10, is I'll open up the windows of heaven. So here's the thing that's good about God, is every time he has a principle for us, there's a blessing if we are obedient. He says, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so that you cannot contain it. But he goes on to say this in verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, that's protection, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear says the Lord of hosts. So he says, not only will I bless you abundantly, but I'll protect you and I'll provide for you. Wow. And so it's a test. What are you worshiping? What are you worshiping with your finances? Well, what are you worshiping with your abilities? The, the gift mix. You are uniquely awesome. You are extremely amazing. You were created with a purpose. What are you worshiping with your abilities right now? Like the gift mix that God has given you, what are you, what's glorifying God with those gifts? Like we, we just saw this band up here and they're, they're playing. I mean, I just saw Dan, he's like doing this right here, worshiping while keeping the beat. You see Joel's going, I, that face, I don't know what that face even means, 
but he's worshiping. That's an ability that he has. What are you doing with the abilities that God has entrusted you? Are they lying dormant and hibernating? I'm just telling you how you spend and invest your time, your finances, and your abilities, it shows clearly what you're worshiping. You want wisdom, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of it. And what we worship and obey determines what we're, we fear. Are you tracking with me? What are you worshiping? Fourth century theologian Augustine says this, we cannot arrive at what we desire if we do not observe what we are neglecting. And so many of us are striving and, and striving and, and trying to achieve, to become, to accomplish, and we're neglecting the very things in nature that God created us for. Are you tracking with me? So here's the question. How is God challenging you to be obedient to him in this moment? Like, how are you, how's God challenging you to be obedient to him right now, right here in this moment? If you are picking and choosing how or when or where you follow him, that's not actually following him. That's not actually obedience. And you want to walk in wisdom, but you have to follow him. You can't lead and follow at the same time. So what is he asking you to do? What is he asking you to give up? What is he asking you to surrender? I, I think that's important to know. We can't lead and follow at the same time. To follow him means that I'm literally step in step going where he's asking me to go. I, I, I'm, I'm stepping towards the fullness of what God is calling me to do. And I think what's important to note is it doesn't have to be 17 steps at a time. It doesn't even have to be large steps. When Megan and I go on walks, she likes to walk. She's got the longest legs ever. Literally, her legs had come up to my shoulders. And so she takes one step, and I have to like sprint to catch up. If you've never power walked with Megan, you probably have to jog while she's walking. She's barely broken a sweat because she's taking massive steps. And I think sometimes when it comes to our walk with the Lord, we feel like he's begging us to take bigger steps, to move faster, to do more. And that's never been the way that he operates. He just says, will you be obedient? And the thing that I love about God is he knows how Megan operates and he knows how I operate. I struggle to be obedient. She's really holy. She's very obedient. I'm like, I'm not sure, God. Can anybody relate? Thank you, the four of you that are honest. I'm like, I think what I, I'm pretty awesome and my plan's pretty good. Can anybody relate? Megan is like 100% full steam, like way, like when we get to heaven, her mansion will be right by the throne room of God. I'm going to be on the back 40. Like, y'all be like, hey, is Pastor Kerry even in heaven? Like, we don't know. We're not sure. It's possible. Megan's for sure here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know the people that are like that, right? Just like, oh my gosh, they've got this figured out. And that's the problem is that we often compare our, our level of obedience to other people and God doesn't compare his children to each other. He never has and he never will. He knows your stubbornness. And he, he, he knows your proclivity to pride and selfishness. And, and you know what? If he can handle the sins of humanity, he can handle your junk. What he wants is obedience. 
So maybe for you, it's just a baby step. And that's okay. He's just looking for obedience. So what's God challenging you right now in this moment to be obedient to him? What is it? What is it? What is it he's saying, you know, it's time to give that up? It's time to lay that down. It's time to surrender. What is it? My challenge is just walk in obedience. That's what it means to fear the Lord. You're saying, God, I acknowledge that your ways are better than my ways. Your plans are better than my plans. And I want to walk in wisdom. Amen? Hey, let me take a moment and pivot for a second. And let me just talk to some people who you actually need to begin the journey with Jesus. Like, like the, the, the next step of obedience is a step of surrender where you just say, God, I'm choosing to follow you. And there are some of you in this room who've never made that decision. There's a starting point. It's not membership in our church. It's not getting your past figured out. It's not getting cleaned up. It's just saying yes to who he is. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want to ask right where you're at, if that's you, to pray that prayer with me. And listen, some of you in this room have been running from God. That whole obedience thing is making sense. You've been kind of doing your own thing for too long, and it's time to come running back to him. Would you do me a favor? Everybody in the room, everybody online, bow your heads, close your eyes. Unless you're driving and watching this, don't close your eyes. I just want to pray a prayer. And if you're here and you've never prayed a prayer like this and you haven't begun the journey, let today be the moment that you begin with him. Maybe in the quietness of your own heart or a small whisper, just make this prayer your own to say, Dear God, I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And just make this statement your own to say, Jesus, I give you my life in Jesus. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.